guys, and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 173. And as always, you are joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now today we do have a little bit of a life update that we would like to give you. But first off, do just want to say a big thank you to everyone who tuned in to our most recent podcast called what is the biggest gym pet peeve? Because we certainly had a heck of a lot of fun recording that last weekend. And if you haven't listened in, make sure to do so. But we did actually come out in the finals in that episode. Sorry for a spoiler alert if you haven't actually listened. But in the finals, we did have when someone interrupts you mid-set versus when someone won't let you work in with them. And We did actually put up a poll on our TBD Instagram stories to see if people agreed with us which one was the ultimate gym pet peeve in the end. And Jack, what were the uh, percentages on that poll? Yeah, so I think it was 78% for people interrupting you mid-set and 22% for someone not letting you work in with them. Man, so I guess the large majority of our followers and our listener base, they agree with us that if someone interrupts you mid-set in the gym, that's it. You know, that's that's got to be the biggest gym pet peeve that could ultimately ruin a workout. Mm, yeah, <laughs> certainly was up there. <laughs> but, you know, it just makes sense because imagine this, okay? It's leg day, you arrive at the gym. You make it past that bag in the hallway. You step right over it without throwing a fit. You know, when you get in the gym, the music that's playing, eh, it's decent. Plus, you remembered your headphones anyway. The gym is clean. All of the weights are put away. You know, the ground isn't littered with cable attachments. There's no sweat on equipment. Everything works. There's no TikTokers in sight. There's no pack wolves of kids that are on the lying leg curl, just (laughs) causing a nuisance and poking each other in the butt. There's no creepy dudes that are checking out all the chicks or those people who just superset every single exercise without a towel and hog all of the machines. There's a mutual agreement in the gym that the gym, while it is a sanctuary, it is not a library. And it is okay to actually make a little bit of noise during your sets if you are applying some effort. Plus, everyone in the gym smells nice and there's just no rancid stench. You could say that conditions are perfect. But then, when you're actually in the middle of doing the thing, you're lifting heavy, you're going for that PB, the final straw that could ultimately ruin that experience is if another human being has the nerve to interrupt you mid-set, whether that be talking to you, trying to get your attention, bumping into you, rattling your machine, like that ultimately has to be it because you have made it past every single other obstacle. But then right then, you know, when you're finally trying to have a good workout, another person ruins the experience. So that's just why it has to ultimately be the biggest gym pet peeve. It just makes sense. Mm. Yeah, of the ones who were asked for sure. Because <laughs> there, yeah, a bunch of other ones are influenced by people as well. Really yeah. just depends on the individual. Yeah, so maybe we all do just need to be lone wolves who rock up to the gym at 
2.30 in the morning when no one else is there and uh, just ensure that, you know, we will never be interrupted. That'll just be our time, even though our circadian rhythms would be absolutely out of whack. Yeah, or just train from home. Yeah, or just encourage other people. Or just not train at the gym. (laughs) Just don't train because some people just you know don't have any common sense and they'll and no patience and they'll actually just try to strike up a conversation while you're going for that. I think some people think they're being polite, which I can understand, because if they interrupt you and say, "Oh, are you using this?" and you have to say no during your set. <laughs> but if you were like, you know, RPE 9.5 lifting face, like how can they not see that you are using that piece of equipment? Or that you're because they, in might, the middle they of- might not train with that intensity and they might not associate, yeah, that level of training intensity with being rude. But I got asked on Friday. Don't justify these people, man. They are in the wrong, okay? It's common sense. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, guys, if you haven't tuned into that podcast yet, make sure you do because um that was that was a lot of fun to record. But yeah, ultimately today we do have a bit of a life recap that we'd like to give you heading into 2023. So let's get into it. Awesome. Well, I think the last update we did was about five weeks ago. So everyone's missed out on Christmas and New Year's from us. Yeah, well, Christmas and New Year's pretty low key on our end. Christmas was really fun because we've recently just moved into a new house and didn't really have a chance to have a housewarming party because a lot of our family members were just overseas at different times. So uh, we actually, for the first time, hosted Christmas at our house this year, which was just really fun. You know, it was really nice to just have everyone over for the day. Everyone brought a dish. We all shared some food, got to go out for a nice dog walk in the afternoon in the sun. It was just a good day. And then New Year's Day, we had a barbecue, still went to bed before 9 p.m., like woke up the next day on the 1st of January, nice and fresh and uh, just ready to get into 2023. But Mm, probably how like the past five or six new years have started yeah luckily we're not the only ones you know they do have early fireworks for a reason <laughs> i'm pretty sure they have fireworks at like 6 30 9 and then they have the 12 o'clock fireworks so the only reason i'd probably be up at 12 a.m is if fireworks woke me up but luckily not this year but uh we actually did hear like the what was it I think it was like the 8 p.m. fireworks or something like that. They just kept going off. Man, I'm telling you, dogs do not like fireworks. There was just dogs barking all the way up and down these streets going absolutely loco with the sound of fireworks. So, whew. Yeah, it must be intimidating for them. Intimidating. or Like, they have obviously such a good sense of hearing. So, like, you can just imagine how it would just be so penetrating and awful for them. Hmm. Mm. Well, I know iDog is, Boston's more concerned by other dogs barking, not really the fireworks. Yeah. And Sam is just petrified of lightning and thunder. And fireworks, I think as well. (laughs) God, the things they condition themselves into. I'm like, it's okay. You're safe. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. It's like telling a depressed person not to be depressed though. Uh, Kind of. Or it's just like telling a dog that it's all going to be all right. (laughs) There's no need to cry. There's no need to bark or whine. But yeah, Christmas and New Year's, pretty fun, pretty chilled, nothing too out of the ordinary or too crazy. 
But man, these past five weeks, I think the last life update we gave was actually like what, beginning of December? I think so. Yeah. So I think at that time, I was personally just wrapping up or I had just finished my dieting phase. And then ultimately over these past five weeks, I've just been reversing out of that. And it's been a really good time, to be honest. Like reverse dieting or coming out of a dieting phase, like that is personally my absolute favorite time to be a physique athlete because ultimately you just get to reap all of the benefits almost that you accomplished and achieved during that dieting phase, which I just absolutely love because, you know, energy levels are back, strength is back. You just have really good quality sleep. Like creativity is high. You just have so much more drive in life. Just like everything is really, really good. Obviously very low levels of food focus, low levels of hunger. It's like, you're just in this wonderful purple spot and you're just, you're absolutely thriving. And to say the least, like these past five weeks, I felt really, really awesome just coming out of that dieting phase because like I've spoken about in the past, like I do have a pretty freaking adaptive metabolism, which can be a gift and a curse because it can be a curse in the sense that if I actually want to lose weight at a decent rate, I have to drop my calories by a decent chunk to really get the dial moving. And even in that case, like, you know, it's not like you get linear drops every single day. I remember that very last week of mini cutting, I dropped my calories down to like the final amount to like 1500 calories. But even then it was like weight wasn't really budging that much for like the large majority of that last week. Like I remember I was like 66.2, 66.2, 66.1, 60 flat. And I was like, come on. And it was only those final two days where then it just went whoosh and it went like 65.3, 65.1. So like you accumulate that compound interest, but you just got to hold out for it. But then if I actually want to get myself back up to maintenance calories or even just maintain that weight, I know that I can be quite aggressive from the start in the sense of just like adding all those calories back in. So like over these past five weeks, I've just progressively just brought myself back up to like 2,300 calories. But even during that time, like my body weight has still averaged around 65.6 which is awesome because like the lowest I hit was 65.1. And again, that was like pretty flipping depleted on like 1500 calories, 160 grams of carbs. But now like 65.6 on average, even actually this morning, I woke up to a pretty funky freaky low of 65.3. But that's after now coming back up to like 340 grams of carbohydrates and another 800 calories. So I feel really good right now. It's nice. And I feel like ultimately I've, I've been able to maintain that similar body composition over these past five weeks, but just fill out with more muscle glycogen, have even more energy in the gym, even better strength. Like I am so close now to hitting my hundred kilogram Smith machine lunges. This past week I did two by six with 97.5. And I was actually pretty determined to just slap on, you know, a hundred, but I'm climbing that ladder. I'm inching my way up, but I'm so close. I can smell it. But yeah, everything is just going really swell right now. But ultimately I've, I've achieved that goal over this past month or so of just solidifying in the mid 65s or that kind of weight that I achieved during the dieting phase. 
But now I know moving into 2023, it's time to be even more assertive with my calorie intake. Like this week, I'll bump up to 2,400. If that still doesn't move the dial, just 2,500, whatever. But like now I know it's time to properly start building, properly start seeing that scale weight go up again. Because like even though I'm in a really good spot right now, I know that you can only eke out so much at body recomposition before it's just getting to the point as a physique athlete of like, is this arguably wasted time that you could actually be spent properly growing? Mm, Especially for someone who's been training for as long as you have. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, I would say very minimal body recomp, if any. So in these next number of weeks, like pushing up, obviously into the high 65s on average, low 66s, and then just keep moving from there because this is the last year of my improvement season. I actually have less than 12 months to go during my improvement season because I think everyone by now, everyone knows that Jack and I are both competing in 2024, but I don't think we've actually announced the seasons that we are competing, Jack no well I haven't well you just haven't (laughs) well originally we were both going to be doing season b of 2024 but we've had quite a few in-depth discussions about that about the pros and the cons the logistics and we actually have changed our plan of attack a little bit jack is still doing season b 2024 but I will actually be competing in season a of 2024 so You and I, we won't actually be going through the prep together, even though we'll still be together. We won't be experiencing the nitty gritty that is a bodybuilding competition prep during the exact same season next year. Mm, Other than maybe two months of overlap. Yeah, so around that time of April to May, maybe early June, depending on shows. Mm. Yeah, but I guess having prepped together for two of our shows or two of our preps back in 2018 and back in 2021, I th- we both agreed that, well, one, I think season A suits you better for your goals mm-hmm. and season B definitely suits me better for my goals. But from a lifestyle perspective as well, especially if I end up going overseas to the US, which is my plan, it makes sense for one of us to not be in prep and also just to experiment from a experience standpoint like what how does it feel like when one of us isn't prepping like does it have more cons does it have more pros i'm anticipating that it will have more pros because in prep it's quite easy to enable each other um, both being quite low energy both being having prep brain both being ultimately incredibly fixated on prep I thought that had a f- probably a few too many negatives last time back in 2021. Granted, it was when we were less busy with coaching and it was also after COVID as well. So there was a, a few factors going into there at once. But uh, this time, I think it'll be better if uh, I'm not prepping when you are and vice versa. Yeah, I think that it's going to be a really unique, great experience. But I think it's going to be awesome to just be there for one another because you know, understandably bodybuilding, it is quite selfish. And, you know, when your goals matter so much to you, it's okay to obviously be hyper-focused on those goals and to be hyper-focused on yourself and what you're setting out to achieve. And sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to really, really show 
the true support for your partner when they're going through the exact same thing at the same time. I think we did a pretty damn good job, but at least it will be unique to experience it and really be there on show day to help one another rather than, you know, both getting tanned up at the same time. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, definitely. I don't even think it's, I think the support is one point, but I think it's more so the other aspects of life as well. Mm. Like what aspects of life? (laughs) Well, just general things like a silly examples in prep. Neither of us particularly feel like cleaning, for example. (laughs) No, I actually really like cleaning the house or like vacuuming and mopping. But the thing is, is that sometimes toward the very tail end of prep, like even just being on your feet for a little bit too long, like I I know it sounds absurd, but you almost feel like low blood sugar levels or you feel a little bit dizzy. Like I remember this distinct time last time we prepped in 2021, I was trying to vacuum the house because it was raining outside and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll just move and get some steps up this way and be productive at the same time. I vacuumed like one room and like I felt a little bit just lightheaded. So I had to sit down on the couch. It was, it was absolutely absurd, but that uh, proves my point. (laughs) Yes. So a little bit, otherwise I'll just need to clean the house right after a meal. Mm. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I, I know, I know exactly what you mean there, but from a content standpoint, like you and I last prep, we were doing YouTube videos. We were actually recording two podcasts a week. Yeah. And we probably had, what, a third as many clients. Yeah, so. that's true. Business has ramped up a hell of a lot since COVID for sure. Mm. So yeah, but either way, it'll be a big year of competing, but we'll both be doing it individually. So I will be competing in season A. You will be competing in season B. And because I'm planning to start my prep at around that 20 week out mark, give or take from the very first show, the show dates haven't been released yet, but you know, through a calendar year, they're pretty darn similar in terms of scheduling. So I will probably be looking at competing throughout April and May, and I will be competing in ICN fitness. I've done sports model in the past, but for this next season, I just want to pursue the ICN fitness route. I'll be doing IFBB bikini, and then I will also be doing WNBF bikini, provided that WNBF has some season A shows. And being around that 20 week out mark from show one probably has me starting prep at the end of this year, late November, very early December, depending on the exact show date. So not long to go, man. What, about 11 months, about a year. give or take? <laughs> 11 months left of my improvement season before it's time to do the thing again. You know, I'm so freaking excited, right? Oh, I, I just, I cannot wait. I just have this incredibly strong, crystal clear vision for myself and I want to win. And I'm doing everything in my power and taking my improvement season so goddamn seriously to put myself in the best position to be as competitive as I can possibly be because I'm going to be 26 years old next year when I can be, I'm almost going to actually be turning 27. So considering that I actually started resistance training properly a hundred percent back when I was 18, I'm going to have almost a decade of resistance training under my belt. So compared to when we last stepped on stage in 2021, my physique is going to be hella improved from a muscularity standpoint, but 
I'm hoping as well, like I just have that little bit more muscle maturity just with the more years of training under my belt too. Mm. Yeah, you'd hope so with <laughs> being older. Yes, absolutely. A little bit more mature, a little bit wiser. Is there such such thing? There's muscle maturity, but is there muscle wisdom? Yes. <laughs> well, we're going to have to coin a new phrase, eh? Muscle mm. wisdom. <laughs> Ah, man, those biceps, they look like they're wise. (laughs) They've seen things. (laughs) No, but it's going to be a tremendous season. And, you know, a big reason for me choosing to actually do season A is because, one, I love actually prepping through the summer. Some people, you know, like they just can't quite handle the social season. They call it the silly season. There's just a few too many events on for them to really knuckle down and be able to say no to things and just 100% focus on their prep. I'm not really like that. I'm not the most social butterfly. So those sort of things don't really phase me. And I actually just love prepping through the summer months. In general, I just love the warmer months of the year. There's more hours in the day, more daylight. It's a lot warmer. I'm generally just happier as well. Plus, considering that my calories have to get quite low and, you know, 50% of my diet, I kind of survive off ice cream. Speaking from a hell of a lot of experience, it's a lot more enjoyable to eat ice cream when it's like 30 degrees outside and it's refreshing compared to when it's like a seven degree day in the winter and you just freeze to your bones and you have to like prepare yourself for the meal by getting out the heat pack, two pairs of socks, track pants, a shirt, you know, two sweaters, gloves, a a toque. Like it's almost like you, you prepare yourself to just embrace that cold, but you're like, Oh, I'll do it for the 150 calorie meal. That's voluminous. (laughs) So that, that's another thing too. But A a huge component as well for why I'm choosing to do season A is because season B, from a career standpoint and a coaching standpoint, that is already lining up to be the most demanding season from a career position for me that I have had yet. Because we have a number of the athletes on our team who are planning to do season B of 2024. A lot of people who will be competing in pro shows and a lot of people who will be making pro debuts. We're going to be traveling overseas that year to compete at WNBF. We'll be competing at INBA, going over to the US. Like it's a humongous season where I need to be there 100% as a coach. And I know that if I am trying to compete at the exact same time, one, that's doing a disservice to myself because I freaking love this, you know, and me getting on stage next year in season eight, that will be a three year gap between the last time that I competed. And I love competing so much, but I have put in the patience and I've applied just that work and that delayed gratification to giving myself that three year break and taking full advantage of it because I know it's going to pay off in terms of the improvements that I'm going to be able to present on stage. But at the same time, if I want to be there as the best competitor, I can't simultaneously be the best coach. And I know that if I want to be the best coach, I simultaneously cannot be the best competitor. So that's why I'm planning to do season A, because I have far fewer clients who want to compete in season A of 2024 at this point in time compared to everyone who's already locked in and they're working toward season B. 
So that's a big thing because anyone who's ever worked with me before, you know that on show day, I'm your woman. I am your coach. I am there by your side, holding your heels, you know, getting your Gatorade, helping you pump up, taking all your photographs. Like I am your number one wing woman. And I love that so much. Like that's, that's one of the best parts of actually being a bodybuilding coach is actually being there on show day and seeing everything come to light at the end for someone else and truly being there to support them and just, man, just really observe them and see them shine on stage. And I genuinely feel like I would be robbing my clients of that experience if I was backstage with them at the exact same time trying to get a pump on too. You know, like I want to be there 100% for the girls on my team. So that's another big reason why I'm like, man, season B, it's just, it's not going to be feasible for me. And I'm okay with that, you know, because like season A one, like I need to demonstrate to myself first that I can be a top tier athlete in Australia and truly hold my own on the Australian stage against the Australian competition before then I go overseas and try to hold my own on an international stage. So I'm at peace with the fact that, okay, I won't be able to compete internationally in season B of next year, but there's many, many years to come where I can work up to that. But I feel like for you, Jack, you know, you know what it's like to win. You've experienced that before. You've won multiple first places. You've won two overall championships. You've been a freaking front runner to winning your pro card. Like you've been this close, right? So you then going overseas next year and seeing where you stand on an international stage, that makes a lot of sense to me, but I still have something to prove, you know, to myself next year that I can be highly competitive in this country before I fly over to another country. Mm. Yeah. Your rationale totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, um, boy, here we go. So about 11 months left to uh, just keep growing, get jacked as possible, you know, and I just, I cannot wait to be in prep again. It's very exciting to, uh, to be able to say, I'll be stepping on stage next year. So what are you looking forward to most for about prep? Oh man, I just can't wait to just get into that headspace again for 20 plus weeks and just feel so goal focused, so driven again, have a proper deadline in place. And ultimately, I just can't wait to actually arrive to show day and be able to really step on that stage and just get that all those overwhelming feelings that come over you and just being able to present a package that is just night and day compared to what I delivered last time. Something that I am just so freaking proud of. And I know that demonstrates three years of work, consistent work with no breaks. No setbacks, no breaks. <laughs> no broken legs. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess that's that's the plan leading into this next year, ultimately. Awesome. Yeah, well, Jack, what about you? How has your past month been? Well, obviously we spent Christmas together, so there's not too much to explain on there. Same with New Year's too. Otherwise, things have been ticking along nicely. I, I took a deload right before Christmas or the week of Christmas. And then since then, I've been training so I've just wrapped up my second week of my latest block and things are going smoothly like still injury free which is awesome touch wood and had a few niggles crop up here and there but nothing fortunately which has taken me out of any exercises or have compromised any sessions 
and body weight still creeping upwards. So um, been weighing in at the low 93s now, which is slowly but surely approaching peak body weight for me, which was 94.4 was the highest I've ever been. And that was back in 2020? Mm. So yeah, over two years ago. Mm. Probably be closing in on two and a half years by the time I I reach that body weight again. You're going to have to make some progress photo comparisons once you reach that 94 again, because the composition's drastically different. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit hard when you get to this body fat, like I would say, what, 16 plus percent. I would say I'm closer to 20% now, but because there's a decent amount of body fat everywhere, like it's, it's a little bit harder to see the changes, especially in photos because there's no scale like there's no scale for the photo so mm. you don't like the it's very hard to see size change if mm. that makes sense like the that's why body fat is very much an illusion as i get down i'm, I'm very much looking forward to the next mini cut because that's going to review reveal a lot of changes i'm still very happy with where i'm at at the moment just to continue um, plodding along and the goal is to, if I can push up above 95, I will. We'll see if appetite permits that. So far, it's it's not been too bad. I'm still only just making my breakfast into a shake at the moment. <laughs> one out of four. Mm. Blended. The other ones are, I mean, my post-workout is is very easily made a shake, but that's usually the meal that uh, my appetite is, is highest for because it's post-training. And yeah, I might even get into some of the juices maybe for the next calorie increase i noticed that aj was was drinking orange juice i guess i'm very much influenced by aj sometimes (laughs) but if aj drinks orange juice i'm gonna drink orange juice (laughs) well i might get on like the v8 juices which is a mix of fruit and veg granted of course it's not not the same as eating whole foods Mm. but I'd rather drink juice than drink flour, which is what I've been doing recently. Yeah, but I do think that your blood sugar levels would probably just absolutely skyrocket. Because, like, you know, the the digestion time would be so much faster. Yes, but I'm I'm not going to drink it as just by itself. I'm going to drink it as part of a meal. Oh, well, why don't you just get yourself one of those sippy cups and you just walk around all day with this Mm. straw just drinking your V8? Or a, uh, what what do babies drink out of? A bottle. (laughs) A tit? Yeah. I'm just going to get myself a nice rack and <laughs> have that have that on hand all day. <laughs> mm. No, when I reference sippy cups, I think of those things that like babies drink out of mm. that you can throw at a wall and they won't break. What you need, man, is you just need to uh, go to the hospital and just rent an, an IV. Mm. <laughs> just just hook that up to you and just have it go, you know, straight into your veins. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there are people who are on higher food than me. I think I just, I, I catastrophize it a little bit. Yeah, I agree too. Plus, like you have every option in the world if you were experiencing just flavor fatigue to eat other things, right? But again, It's not really flavor fatigue. Though. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the day Jack actually makes nachos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll believe it when I see it when you actually eat over 4,000 calories consistently. <laughs> Yeah, okay, fair. You know, we got each other. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, there's not too much else to say on my end. Like, uh, work has sort of increased in January, which is only expected in this online coaching industry, Mm. which is nice because I guess December was kind of a little bit of a a break for me. Like, ever since we moved house, work has been very, very consistent. 
oh, yeah, August, September, October, November, and December was a little bit quieter. Now it's it's quite busy with people having uh, new goals in the, in the in 2023, which I think is great. And season A for me is a little bit quieter in terms of my competitor numbers. I've um, just got Ali who will be doing uh, bikini in ICN, and season B. I've got a few, quite a few, or quite a few competitors for me, which I'm very much looking forward to. So, should be having uh, Chris, who will be doing men's physique with ICN and maybe WMBF, and I've got Sharma and Dave, who will be doing men's physique as well down in New South Wales, and I've got uh, Ian, who will be doing classic and maybe bodybuilding in Queensland, and I've got. Uh, Matthew, who's actually in Japan at the moment, he might be coming to Australia or he uh, he's originally from the US, so he might be doing uh, bodybuilding over there or here. But yeah, that's at this point in time, it's getting to be that cutoff point. So don't think like April is really when we'll start prep for most people. So we'll see if anyone jumps on board before then, but yeah. it's cutting it close at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Because at this point, ultimately, like 25 weeks out from that first show that is going to be here in Queensland for season B, is basically like the 1st of April. Yeah. So if you're looking... Well, Tropics is actually earlier than that. I think I have Ian starting in March. Oh, damn. Okay, yeah. so yeah, some mid-March to end March. But even then, like if today is the 8th of January, you're looking at like about two and a half months to go until the actual prep begins. Two and a half months is a good amount of time to do a pre-prep phase mm. <laughs> or like the briefest little like improvement season, tiniest build depending on someone's body composition before then entering into the prep itself. But you're absolutely right. Like if someone's goal is to compete in 2023 of season B, like you would need to get in contact with a coach now at the absolute latest. Otherwise, it's probably just going to be fair to push it out to season A of well, it depends 2024. what coach you inquire with as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. You know, you could be 25 days out and uh, someone could take you on. Mm. Just got to find the right coach <laughs> or the wrong coach. Shop around. Yeah, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that I, or the most frequent conversation I have with competitors is just realigning their expectations in terms of like when they'll compete and probably more so the pre-prep phase. Like mm. they just don't understand potentially that you can't just start prep at any body weight. Mm. You got, and you can't just start when you haven't been, you can, but you should ideally be familiar with how the bodybuilding process works, what you expect, what the prep will actually entail, like the social side of things, the nutrition side of things, mm. the training, all that. Yeah, absolutely. I think when I always have like a discovery call or an initial consultation with someone who wants to undertake a prep, I think it's always important to ask them if they have a certain season or they have a certain date in mind that they personally want to aim for before you give your opinion. Because sometimes people, they will understandably like bodybuilding, it's, it's a very long-term goal, right? But like if you're aiming for a specific season, it might be with the reason of, well, next year, I know that I'm going to be moving overseas. Next year, I know that I'm going to be getting married. So I need to be putting a lot of finances toward that. A lot of females, males as well, right? Like it's like next year, my partner and I were actually looking at starting a family. So you have to work around those things. So that's one. But what 
really shines through to me is when someone doesn't necessarily have those huge life events on the cards in the future years. And they are just 100% putting their trust in me. And they're saying, I'm willing to be patient. When I step on stage, I want to be competitive. I want to make myself really proud. I don't have any specific like deadlines in place. I'm willing to put in the work and work for however long it takes to build the physique to actually get on stage in the category that I desire. So that always just speaks volumes to me when someone's like, oh, you know, it's not a case of like, I need to compete this year. It's the case of no, when I want to do it when the time is right. So I absolutely love that. Otherwise Mm. it's the case if you have to have that conversation with someone, okay, based on your current level of development, these are our options. We could potentially compete in this category in this season. Or if we wait a little bit longer, we could actually build you up until the next category and then we could compete in this season. So everyone just aspires to a different physique. Everyone is starting off from a different base of development. Everyone has a different timeline. So there's so many different things to actually factor in. And again, now that the pandemic is well and truly behind us, the stage is always going to be there. And as the years go on, there's just going to be more and more and more show opportunities. So if you've like just discovered what bodybuilding is and you've been in the gym for a while, like you don't need to jump the gun. Like it is okay to be patient. You don't have to be like, oh, like I have to compete this year. Like that would be really fun. Give it some time, give it some thought, have some solid conversations with a good coach who can lay out a few different options for you. And then you can see, okay, what would realistically be the game plan to achieve that goal? Mm. Yeah, I do think for first time competitors, they maybe sometimes should jump into a prep a bit, not prematurely, but if they are someone who's still experienced and they like, you need to prep eventually. Mm. Cause like, what if you wait five years to prep and then you don't even like it? Then yeah. It's a bit of a waste. Yeah. But you know what? Ultimately, if you're going to be involved in the sport of bodybuilding and you are going to compete you're gonna have to get your first comp under your belt at some point or another. It's just inevitable. So get yourself an evidence-based coach who is going to support you. Either way, you're gonna learn the lessons that come with prep, but that's just the fun of it. And it's gonna be one heck of an experience and hopefully you really do enjoy it. And actually that reminds me, this year, I am actually going to be presenting at an event and a seminar held by Sports Nutrition Australia and the Sports Nutrition Association called Women in Sports Nutrition. And this is going to be such a cool event and I am absolutely honored and thrilled to be speaking at the seminar. So I will be presenting on what it's like to prep and work alongside female physique athletes. and. I have the absolute pleasure of actually presenting alongside Dr. Louise Burke, Alicia Gowans, and then also Dr. Zoya, who you guys might know as the strong dietitian on Instagram, as well as Nina, who you might know as naturally Nina on Instagram. So all of us, we will be presenting on an array of different topics for what it's like to work alongside females in the health and fitness industry, not just related to bodybuilding, but you know, related to CrossFit athletes, lifestyle athletes. Dr. Louise Burke will be talking about energy availability. 
Alicia Gowan, she's going to be going a lot into what it's like to run a business. I know that Nina, she's actually going to be talking about nutritional considerations for type one diabetics in strength sports. And, you know, so is Dr. Zoya. She's going to be talking about what it's like to actually work alongside females who really want to invest in their strength, but also their health too. So it's going to be incredibly comprehensive. It's going to be an absolutely epic event. And I just really hope that a lot of people can make it. So again, if you want to get tickets to that, I can put some links in the description below, but just go through Sports Nutrition Australia or the Sports Nutrition Association for tickets on their website or their Instagram pages. It's the 11th of March here in Brisbane. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be epic. I think it's one of its kind because again, to my knowledge, I don't think that there's ever been another seminar where there's leading females in the health and fitness industry who are actually presenting on these sort of topics in sports nutrition, Jack. Yeah, it certainly sounds like one of its kind and I can't wait to uh, be there and listen. Yeah, well, it'll be lovely to have you there as a spectator. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I'm getting so excited though, just for my presentation. Like I've been brainstorming a whole bunch. I've been writing down like pages and pages of notes. I just, I can't wait to actually put together the presentation in the PowerPoint slide because what's so cool about this is that like I have so much free reign in how I want to develop this presentation too so yeah i'm i'm just can't wait to apply just so much creativity to it and boy i'm getting really enthusiastic and just excited for it so about two months to go until we'll actually be doing the thing Mm, can't wait to see all the drafts yeah man (laughs) and yeah you are gonna be uh getting a heck of a lot of the run-throughs as well (laughs) so please laugh at my jokes yes Anyway, that's probably a pretty good way to uh, wrap up this podcast episode. But one thing we should finish on is something we want to improve this next week because we are heading into the last year of our improvement seasons. Uh, So I want to improve on my split squats. I've recently incorporated uh, heel elevated, elevated split squats on the Smith machine. So just to continue increasing my proficiency at those, try and reduce the input of the rear leg, uh, try and get really good knee flexion, etc. Especially since I do them after leg press, so my quads are already quite fatigued. Mm. I think you're going to have to do another Instagram video on that exercise and explain to people what you're doing there. <laughs> Why? Because the way that you're setting up your split squat, it's very, very unique. Because the way a lot of people generally do a split squat on a Smith machine, yes, you know, you're recruiting a hell of a lot of quad, but particularly a lot of females, they do it more so for a glute bias. But the way that you're setting it up by elevating that front heel, trying to get a hell of a lot of knee flexion, it's a major quad bias. But the way that you're kicking up your back leg at the end, some girls in particular might mistake that for what I see other females do on the internet where they do that little kick with the back leg thinking it's doing something for their glutes when Mm. it's not. Yeah. The kickback isn't even intentional by me. It's just, I'm just trying to minimize bias of the rear leg. Mm. So I'd rather bring it up when I can. Mm. Yeah. I personally think when people do that, it is a little bit redundant because you have to think about like, for example, the way that I do Smith machine lunges, the way that it targets your glute is when your glute is in that maximally stretched position at the very bottom. And then when you contract up and you push up, 
And the way that you're going to stress that glute out and really put it under more mechanical tension is to overload with the weight and lift almost as much weight as you can possible, but put yourself in a very, very stable position. When I see other girls do it, they're in the lunging position, but then when they come up and that back leg actually comes off the ground and then they kick the back leg forward, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me because you're not actually working that back leg, that back glute. You are actually working the glute that has the foot forward at the front. Mm. Yeah, moving the back leg doesn't do anything. No. You're literally just moving it through. It's like a walk. Like you move your front leg forward when you walk. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like, you know, thrusting while you're standing up against the air. Like mm. you're not putting it under any additional stress or resistance. And again, like you're working the, like, for example, if you are in a lunge stance and your left foot is forward and your right foot is back, you are predominantly working the glute on your left leg not the right. So when you come up to the very top, you don't need to kick forward with the right leg. Again, you're just compromising how much load that you can lift overall in the movement itself. Yes. And you're just uh, fatiguing yourself unnecessarily. Yeah. So if you want it to be more of a glute bias, just stay in that lunge position, keep your feet on the ground. But like Jack, if you want to make it a gnarly quad bias and i know you ended up with quite a few doms from that mm. uh, i think it would just be good for you to actually explain when you post that video almost just like as a preface well i did say heel elevated split, split squats mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you need like quad bias in there mm. Mm. okay yeah because the reason why well, you're that's doing why DMs that exists like people feel yeah. free to message me <laughs> yeah but the reason why you're doing that now too instead of bulgarians is because you want more quad and even less glute yes mm. yeah bulgarians were too glute biased yeah mm. i just need more quad or yeah. want more quad <laughs> jack doesn't want don't need more quad <laughs> for my health <laughs> i don't know might need it <laughs> what about you though ah oh, something i want to improve this week something that i want to improve this week is my self-confidence <laughs> and i want to share something on instagram that i have actually been working on for a really long time now and that is a little bit of posing footage because I've actually built it into my routine for these past eight going on nine months where I used to go for a morning walk every single morning. That was just part of my routine for years to walk still for about is. 20. Yeah, it still is. But I mean, first thing in the morning before breakfast, I used to walk for about 25 minutes and just get into a really good headspace. But I got really good at morning walks, but then I thought, okay, what else could I be doing with this time in the day? So I actually decided to start committing myself to morning posing practice in my improvement season because why just spend time outside walking when I could actually be investing that time building a skill like posing? So for these past eight going on nine months, I've literally put on my heels every single morning unless we've been traveling like to Bali or you know we flew interstate for another show or something like that. Uh, but I've built it into my routine and, and I've committed myself to 25 to 30 minutes of posing practice every single morning to build my skills as a poser so that when I get on stage next year, I'm the best. So I've been practicing that for a really, really long time and I'm still not quite where I want to be. I don't think I ever will be. I'm very hard on myself. I'm a crazy perfectionist and I just always just see room for improvement. But I need to start putting myself out there a little bit more and being a little bit more self-confident and just sharing more of my journey in that sense. So 
a goal for me this week is to actually post an Instagram reel on posing and just show off a little bit of my posing because it's something that I'm really passionate about. I have a hell of a lot of fun with putting together little reels with music. It's really enjoyable. So I just, I need to get over that little hump. Uh, it's not self-conscious in the sense of I'm scared that other people will judge me in any sense. Like I'm very sure of myself and I'm a very self-confident person in that sense. It's more so for me. Like when I see myself doing something, I am just, you know, I'm, I'm just one to critique, right? I, I always acknowledge the good, but I'm always just looking, ah, oh, how can I be that 1% better? Cause I'm just, I think I'm addicted to self-improvement, but I have to realize that, you know, it's, there's, it's a journey. It's not a destination. I don't think I'm ever going to be really, really happy with every single 0.1% of anything that I do, but, uh, I just have to be satisfied with this is where I'm at right now. And it's pretty darn good. So yeah. That's my goal this week is to just press share <laughs> and uh, maybe share some posing on my Instagram, maybe like through a reel or something. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I can't wait to see the final rendition. <laughs> the final rendition, even though you see it every single morning, me spinning around. and. <laughs> no, I'm also here it, to be honest. I hear you uh, singing little bits of the songs and correcting yourself oh yeah the neighbors can probably hear it as well <laughs> i have no shame you know singing along there's nothing to be shameful about thank you very much <laughs> no but that's the thing like i love singing along to my posing music actually that is something i'm really proud of is that i have your ability to sing <laughs> no but you said it no but something that i've actually created over these past coming years and it's developed a, a little bit of a liking over on the Spotify's, but I have a posing playlist called IFBB Bikini Posing. And I believe at this point in time, it now has over 560 likes or something like that. Um, like there's a lot of tracks in there. Like I'm constantly adding songs. Over 560, would you say? No, I think there's close to like maybe 170 songs in there. So there's more there. likes than songs. There is more likes than songs. That's true. But either way, it is a posing playlist that has a hell of a lot of good posing beats in there for the girls and heck, maybe some guys too, if you like, you know, some Beyonce, some pussycat dolls, you know, whatever gets you going. <laughs> but check it out, IFBB Bikini Posing, just search that up on Spotify. To my knowledge, I think it's actually one of the most popular bikini posing playlists out there on Spotify, which is pretty cool. But it's, Add that to your resume. <laughs> if I Play had a resume, creator. but I, I work for myself, baby. Don't have to worry about resumes. Unless <laughs> I fire you. <laughs> Good joke. I'm the owner here. <laughs> no, but search it up. IPB Bikini Posing. Uh, and you might be singing along too. Yes. <laughs> yes, you, not Jack. But Jack oh, right. too. I thought you meant me. <laughs> Jack, Jack's actually the number one fan of the playlist. Mm. I'm actually second. I don't, I don't even follow. I can actually give you another like if I follow it. Good joke. I don't follow it. <laughs> He's blushing. <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks so much for tuning into this podcast. If you did enjoy it, please remember to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Jack, tag myself, tag TBD, and we will catch you next week.